0: Good morning, if you have a Bible, we're reading Deuteronomy 34 this morning, all of it, as someone looked at me with some surprise when I said all of it, I think the words are coming up just to my left and to my right, but in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow in the Pew Bible, do you remember Pew Bibles, Pew Bible 214, page 214. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, opposite Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord has said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where the grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with a spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel." It's great to be with you this morning. My name's Kevin. Uh, I'm the uh, Assistant Minister at High Street Baptist Church all the way up in Tring. Some of you might have visited there uh, before. Uh, I, I have a, a full-time job down in, in South uh, London uh, as well. I'm married to, to Lisa. We have three children who are getting older uh, each day because that's sort of what happens uh, each uh, each day. And I want to, to thank you, first of all, I've, I've been coming to uh, evening services now for, uh, here for, for, for 10 years or more, and it's been great to join you uh, on and off uh, during that time. and thank you uh, to a number of you who, over the last uh, couple of years, particularly, have been praying for, for High Street. Uh, we've been going through uh, a pastoral vacancy. we've been between ministers, uh, so I've been a bit busier uh, there than uh, the normal. In uh, in November, we appointed, or we had the induction service uh, for Joe and Ruth Egan. Uh, So they're now uh, with us, they're settling in, and I'm just hiding just off stage right, just for a few months as they uh, settle in. Uh, Some of you might have been to High Street uh, before. Uh, some of you might have uh, might know a little bit about High Street, and and for those of you that do, uh, I wonder what it is that you think you know about uh, High Street. What is uh, High Street uh, known uh, for? Well, one of the things I might suggest that that the High Street is is known for, and I was really delighted to hear about what you were saying earlier, uh, Pam and and Ian, is 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 our eco work. And for those of you that that uh, follow uh, something called Facebook. Uh, which is great for keeping in touch with your grandparents now, uh, I'm told. Uh, We we have lots of um, uh, 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 work that we've been doing for 15 years or more on on eco-congregation and uh, eco-church. And we collect um, and we recycle tons of stuff. Uh, from these little Tetra packs that you get babies' food in, uh, to batteries, to glasses, all manner of stuff. And, and it goes much, much, much wider uh, than that. And I'm happy to, to chat with you afterwards if, if you want. Uh, but one of the things that we collect is bras. And we've been collecting, we've had one of those bra banks that we've been collecting. We've got kilos and kilos of these bras that we send off. We've, been, we've got a bit of a reputation for this. I was walking down Tring High Street, and, and this lady sort of came up to me and said, oh, I'm glad I bumped into you. You're the man who collects the bras, aren't you? <laughs> I thought, well, well that's, that's that's sort of right. And 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 during the, the, the partial vacancy, I was I was pretending to be all vicarly. Uh, and so by being all vicarly, I mean standing on the steps of the church, shaking people's hand as they go, and they say, "You're a nice nice servant vicar," you know, you do you do that nice servant vicar? You could see. And and then um, the, we've got this little forecourt, just small forecourt in the front of of high street. And this this red car just sort of careered up and dumped itself. Uh, in front of the church on this forecourt. I thought, okay. And the the passenger window wound down. And I heard this, woo, woo. Woo, yes, you, you. Me? Yes, you. I've got some bras for you, she said. (laughs) And so I went down to this red car, and this lady picked up this big carrier bag of bras and thrust them in my direction and said, I hope they fit you. And she spun (laughs) off. It's good to be known for something, but fortunately, fortunately, uh, it wasn't always like that. I was known for other things before being the man who collects bras in Tring. Uh, a few years ago, when I was at university, quite a few years ago uh, now, um, they, they, I, I was at university in South Wales, and there was a celebrated local, and I wonder if you know who, uh, who it was. He, he, um, he went on to have an, an international uh, career. Uh, he started uh, in uh, in the Wood Road Club, in the Wood Road Club, which uh, I think now is a, a tapas bar uh, in in the village, uh, he he came from the Woodward family. Uh, I, in, in in my in my spare time, one of the things that I do is I'm a football referee, and, and one of my claims to fame is that I booked this person's cousin. That's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. That's exciting. And he was born in in Kingsland Terrace, uh, number 57. Kings and Terrace, uh, to be exact. I'm talking about anyone? Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Take a bow. Tom Jones. Absolutely right. And so Tom Jones and I have something in common, in in, in that strange women throw their underwear uh, at us. (laughs) I'm now going to move on to the script. I'm going (laughs) to... But one of the things that's outside of, of, of 57 uh, Kingsland Terrace is this little plaque that says Tom Jones was born here. This is where he started. This is his, his legacy, what he went on to do, what he went on to achieve, it started here. And we see plaques everywhere, don't we? we go, particularly for when, uh, when we go into uh, London, we see those blue plaques that are dotted uh, around. I was in Moorgate near the Barbican uh, just earlier this week and saw that small plaque uh, which was saying, this is the place where uh, John Wesley, in 1738, felt his heart to be strangely warmed. I felt, he wrote, that I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And his legacy, of course, his legacy was Methodism. I wonder what what we would want our legacy to be. What do we want people to remember us for? Your reputation precedes you, people say to me uh, sometimes. But what do we want our legacy to be? Just before Christmas, my brother had, um, or his wife had, more to, more to the point, had, had twins. And, and so I became an uncle for the first time, which was really, uh, really exciting, but, but, but conscious very much that the, the family line progresses. The family line uh, continues, having buried grandparents uh, in the past. We're welcoming uh, new children in the future. What do we think and what do we want our legacy to be? And we're reaching the end, and we've reached the end of Moses' life here. And he's leaving his legacy behind, To and he's blessing the tribes. And in Deuteronomy 33, just before uh, the passage uh, that I read, he blesses the people. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. He blesses them by saying, there is no one. Like the God of Jeshurun, who rides across the heavens to help you, and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them, so Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure in the land of grain and new wine, where the heavens drop dew. Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. What a blessing. What a legacy to leave the people that he had been leading all of those years. He reminds the people that you are blessed Remember this, remember this, God is your shield, God is your helper, God is your glorious sword, God has you in everlasting arms, you are blessed, Moses says, because you know the real, true, living and loving God. God is our refuge and our protector, God is our legacy. And he's able to say that. He's able to say that despite what Moses had gone through. Leading these stiff-necked people. If we go back to Exodus uh, chapter 1. And in Exodus chapter 1, it's painting the picture of the Israelites in captivity. The king had died and they'd forgotten about Joseph and his amazing technicolored dream coat. And the people there, the Egyptians, were worried about these uh, Israelites. And so you read through those opening verses in Exodus 1, and we read that the Israelites were dealt with shrewdly. They had slave masters put over them. They were involved in forced labor. They were worked ruthlessly. Their lives were simply hard, hard work. And then the ruling came that they were to kill all the firstborn boys Moses led the Israelites out of captivity Moses led the people into the promised land and despite this 40 or so years that they spent wandering around they, the Israelites would often say to Moses wouldn't it be better if we went back there wouldn't it be better to when you know we were, we had slave masters when when we were worked ruthlessly you know when our children were killed Wouldn't it be better if we went back there as opposed to being dragged around in this wilderness? That's what Moses had to put up to, up with. Moses negotiating with God. But even with what Moses went through, even with what Moses endured in his life, even with the people that we mentioned there, we know also that Moses was married. We know Moses was involved in the Passover. We know Moses brought water water. water? good grief, water from a, from a rock. We know that he had to, to raise his hands to defeat uh, the Amalekites. We know he delegated judges. We know that, that he went up to receive the law, and then he came down at Mount Sinai was that one of your questions earlier, Nigel, I can 't remember. He came down Mount Sinai and they, they built this golden calf. Despite all of this that they went through, despite you know, the walking through the Red Sea, Moses' legacy was one that pointed to God. It was one that pointed to God. And, and whatever we do in life, whether we would see ourselves as a leader, whether we would see ourselves as a follower or, or anything else in, in between, our legacy must be one which points to God. One that is to him, for him, and about him. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 says that, for we are to God the aroma of Christ. We are to God the aroma of Christ. I wonder what you smell of. But you get the smell of fresh bread. And that smell lingers, doesn't it? Fresh, the smell of fresh bread, it lingers, it's great. What lingers after we've been somewhere? What is our legacy? What do we leave behind? Moses knew that this was the end. Moses climbed Mount Nebo, we read in verse 1, on his own. And this follows the direction of God. If you go back to Deuteronomy 32, God tells him that he needs to go up this hill. He needs to go up Mount Nebo. He will see the promised land, and, and then he will be gathered to his people. What a lovely phrase that is, gathered to his people. Moses, who started as a shepherd in Exodus 3, caring for sheep, ends up leaving his sheep, ends up leaving his flock behind with Joshua to climb this hill. Now, I'm sure lots of you, like me, uh, have got lots of spare time on your hands and enjoy watching Challenge TV. Ah. There's a few. Yeah, Bob. Bob is a, Bob is a Challenge TV. And, and one of the, the quiz shows, this is, 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 is a, 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 just for the benefit of the one or two of you that don't know what Challenge TV is. Uh, this is for uh, a, a, a television uh, channel that shows lots of old runnings of TV quiz shows. Yeah? That, is that right, Bob? Thank you. <laughs> and, and one of the quiz shows, uh, one of the quiz shows which is, which is on there is Bullseye. How many of you remember Bullseye? Okay, I oh, got you now. So Bullseye. And and Bullseye was of course presented by Jim Jim Bowen, and it, it was it was really a quiz show bu- uh, built around um, darts, and and you would um, you would throw darts and you get points and you win prizes and, and and everything else. And 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 watching it back as I do all the time, it's fascinating because they'll ask um, you know relatively simple questions, and and you know what is the capital of France, and someone will say Madrid, and 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 the look on on. On, on their because they're in pairs but the look on their partner's face when they say Madrid instead of Paris see I know, was was is horrified. Oh how did they not know that? But but there were some great prizes on Bullseye, weren't they? You know you look, look, uh, you, know, you you live in a, a 14th floor of a block of flats. Congratulations, you've just won a conservatory. And 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 uh, you, you live in the middle of Birmingham. Fantastic! Here's a speed vote uh, for you. But, f- but for those, uh, for, the, for the pair that got to the end, so that the pair that had accum- accumulated uh, the most points and the most, pr- they, most, um, most most points, they would go through uh, to the, uh, the final round, and, and they would have a normal dartboard, and they'd have to score 101 with six darts. 101 with six darts. Do you remember that 101 with six darts. There was a non-dart player that would go first. Non-Dart player would go first. And so the non-Dart player would end up with a score of about 11. (laughs) And then the Darts player would come on and get a score of about 80. And they'd end up with 91. But they needed 101. And so they didn't win. They didn't win. And at which point, when they didn't win, Jim Bowen would say his phrase. And I'm not Northern, but I'm going to try it anyway. Is look at what you could have won. <laughs> Here's look at what you could have won. And then these screens part, and it was a furniture unit, or it was a sofa, or it was something like that. That's what they could have won, but they traded the toaster. Verses 1 to 4. there was a point to this. Verses 1 to 4. Moses climbs Mount Nebo. And God shows Moses the entire land, across uh, so, so from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There, the Lord, there the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the whole of Ephraim, the whole land. Have you ever climbed a hill? Have you ever climbed a mountain? Have you ever flown in a plane, perhaps over over, over a desert or over mountains, and just had that wow? moment. I think you used Mount Carmel as, a, as an example in, in your, your earlier uh, slides, and I had the pleasure to visit Mount, well, Israel and Mount Carmel about 15 years ago, and standing on Mount Carmel, you stand on this, this enormous hill, and it's, it's, it's almost as if it's like a wart on the landscape, because you look around, and you've got this hill, and everywhere else around is flat. And it's, oh, wow, this is Tremendous. One of those wow moments. And I'm sure we've had one of those wow moments, wherever that might be. And Moses was having one of these wow moments. This is it. But I wonder, I wonder, could Moses have got the hump? Could Moses have been a bit annoyed? Because if this were me... I would certainly have got the hump. I would certainly be annoyed. Because Moses was told by God that he wasn't going to enter the promised land. Despite what he had done, despite how he had led the Israelites through the promised land, despite how he had led these stiff-necked people, despite how they'd been grumbling and moaning and and arguing with him uh, all the time, because of some minor indiscretion in Numbers 20, where Moses struck a stone to get water, Numbers 20, have a, have a read later if you wish. Because of that minor, arguably, indiscretion, God said to Moses, you're not going to enter the land that's been promised to you. I would have got the hump at that point. I really would be annoyed. But Moses knew what his role was about. He knew what his legacy was about. And Moses' legacy could have been a murderer. It could have been a partner with God. It could have been a parter of the Red Sea. It could have been the one who smashed a golden calf. But no, his legacy in verse 5 is in Moses, the servant of God. Moses' legacy was about being a servant of God. And this was echoed elsewhere in Scripture. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. Bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future, But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. As God trained Moses in the wilderness, being a shepherd, while God trained and worked with Moses while they were in exile, Moses came to the realization that the best legacy he could leave to history was the recognition that history was all about his story and that all of history points to God. What else is there? What else is there aside from being a servant of the Lord? I'm on Twitter. I'm sure some of you are on Twitter as well. Uh, Somebody who's who's not too far from here uh, actually has as their Twitter handle which is the 160 characters you did the bio of yourself? And their bio is a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. Everything else pales into insignificance. I wonder what you want on your blue plaque if you are ever rich or famous enough to have a blue plaque. But if you were to have a blue plaque, what would you want on? yours? How would you wish to be remembered? What is your legacy? What do you want to leave behind? What aroma do you wish to leave when you go away from somewhere? So Moses died and he was buried. For those of you who like your slightly uh, mystical uh, scriptural references, have a look at Jude uh, verse 9. There's a suggestion that the archangel Michael was involved in the burial Of Moses, but Moses was buried at an indeterminate place. It's curiously written, verse 6. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Pior. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. This isn't about celebrating Moses. There's no clear grave, but it's about celebrating God and celebrating what God has done. Moses died just a handful of miles from the border of the promised land. As we go through different stages of life, as book uh, pages are turned, as we go from one chapter uh, to the next, uh, my prayer for me and my prayer for us is that the legacy that we leave is one that is about God, a legacy about being servants of God as we seek to see his kingdom come Jesus claimed declaring the good news of the kingdom of God how are we contributing to that what is our legacy in terms of supporting that I want to close with a footnote almost all this is done in the context of a God who keeps his promises. We believe in a God. I believe in a God who keeps his promises. God shows Moses the promised land. The land land that Moses himself was promised. Moses was almost having one of those Jim Bowen moments where God says to him almost, here's look at what you could have won. Because that was the promise to Moses, that he would enter the promised land. And he struck this stone, he got water out of this stone. And God said, well, you you can't enter it anymore. You're not going to go into the promised land anymore. In Deuteronomy um, uh, chapter 3, we even read that Moses was was always begging with God to let him into the promised land. At that time, Moses says, I pleaded with the Lord. Sovereign Lord, you've begun to show to your servants... Your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven and earth who can do deeds and mighty works like you do. Let me go over and see the good land beyond Jordan. That fine hill country and Lebanon. Moses is pleading with with God. Let me see it. Let me go into the land. But God says no. God even says do not speak to me anymore about this matter in Deuteronomy three. Yet even so, God almost, I can't think of the word, but he takes Moses up to the land and says, this is it, this is it. Here's what you could have won. Here's what you could have won. But of course, that wasn't the end. That wasn't the end. Because yes, Moses died there. Yes, he was buried there. Yes, there's no uh, clear uh, grave as to where uh, he was buried. But some 1,500 or so years later, in Matthew 17, it's recorded that Jesus and three of his apostles, Peter, James, and John, go to a mountain. The Mount of Transfiguration in the Promised Land. And they go there to pray. And on this mountain, Jesus begins to shine with bright rays of light. And then, who should appear next to Jesus? Jesus. In the promised land, in the land that had been promised uh, uh, centuries earlier, Elijah and Moses rock up. Elijah and Moses appear, and they stand next to Jesus, the person about all, about about whom Scripture is all about. Jesus is then called Son by a voice in the sky, which is assumed to be God. God didn't keep the promise in the way perhaps that Moses had expected. But 1,500 or so years later, Moses was able to enter the promised land. Far from it being a, ears look at what you could have won. This is a demonstration of a God who keeps his promises. Not as we might expect. Not as we thought it might happen. But kept his promises all the same.